0: All right, Chris Hall here for Dogs on Demand on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all those other places. Good to have you along with us today as uh, Bryce Kuhn uh, joins us now. Bryce, uh, he is the writer, digital reporter. Make sure I get this right, Bryce. At LSU Tigers on uh, 247 Sports, he covers the LSU Tigers. And, of course, he hosts the Crowded Booth uh, podcast Uh, uh, Bryce is on our program today. We're going to talk a little SEC football and compare Georgia with LSU. Bryce, welcome to the program. How you doing, my man?
1: Oh, Doing well. We were joking, Chris, before we started. Where is it hotter, back in my home state of Georgia or down here? Heat index. I just looked in between us talking about it. 103 today. So yeah. it's uh, it's it's a toasty day. You could probably I will make dinner outside, uh, just yeah. throw it on the pavement and we'll we'll go from there. <laughs> there
0: you go. <laughs> uh, well, at the, as we record are recording this, I think we're at about ninety two degrees where we are uh, in South Georgia. Uh, you know, it is summertime. You know, the, mm. the first of July coming up very soon, and so let's don't complain too much about it. But when it when it's just day after day of oppressive heat like you guys are having in Texas and Louisiana. It does kind of grind on you a little bit. Uh, Of course, now you're covering the LSU Tigers for 247 Mm -hmm. Sports. Tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, how that uh, new gig is going, and are you loving it uh, down south in Louisiana?
1: Oh, man, it's it's going well so far. We were joking. Been here about three weeks. We've been in the heat advisory every single day since. Other than that, uh, no, it's been going really well, and look, it's a chance to cover a program that obviously uh, made it to the SEC title in Brian Kelly's first year. Uh, we were talking beforehand, we have the baseball national championship parade tonight, women's basketball. So I think anytime you get a chance, especially as a kid growing up in SEC country, uh, to cover a, a proud program, a program with a rich tradition, and a diehard fan base like this, it's, uh, it's pretty special. So excited to kind of get going down here in Baton Rouge, been covering them remotely from Georgia and then moved down here with my wife. And uh, man, we're, we're enjoying it so far. And I'll tell you, Chris, next time you see me, uh, hopefully I won't be heftier. Okay. The food down here, it's it's a real thing. It's a real thing down
0: here. They pay no attention to calories or, Anything like that, so you know. <laughs> and, uh, and if you start to using that Cajun uh, brogue on me now, you know we may have to call time out. But I got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. That's yeah. the but editing. I, I, down love down. That. I, I love that. I love that that talk. It, indeed. Uh, speaking of uh, LSU baseball, just won the uh, national championship. Georgia has uh, you, the new head mm-hmm. uh, baseball coach of the University of Georgia, Wes Johnson, uh, the LSU pitching coach for this year. Well, why can't you tell us about? Uh, Uh, Wes, and uh, what kind of uh, baseball coach is uh, the University of Georgia getting?
1: Yeah, I really liked this hire for Georgia. I mean, obviously it was one of those things that LSU kept close to the vest as Wes uh, wanted to finish out the run with LSU and see how far they could go. But you have to look no further uh, than the young man that will probably be a top three pick uh, next month in the MLB draft. It's Paul Skeens who dominated coming from Air Force out of the portal. Uh, Go back and look at the pitching performance, especially over the past week or so when LSU needed it. Um, Look, offensively you could talk a lot about this team, but when they needed it on the mound – uh, it was this pitching staff that came through, and you know they all give credit to Johnson, his ability. And I think the biggest thing, Chris, in this is, look, Wes knew coming into the season they were going to have talent, and it was never a question of that. But in the multiple interviews we've done with him, he said – You know, he spent time in the major leagues. I don't know if you know this. He took the LSU uh, midway through being the Minnesota Twins major league pitching coach back in 2022. So he decided, said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and leave during the middle of the season. That was a Twins team that was number one in the AL Central And then our Atlanta Braves just knocked off in a nice little series sweep. We'll get to that later. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest thing that Wes likes to hit on is the mental side. And look, if you're going to win a championship as a pitcher, you have to be mentally more mature than the guy at the plate. And so, look, Georgia's going to bring in talent. It's a rich state in baseball. uh, But I think – getting over the hump and getting back to where they want to be in the SEC conversation, in the Omaha type of conversation, was a good first step. And I think uh, Georgia fans are going to be pleased with what Wes Johnson can do uh, through the portal and and really revamping this Georgia baseball program.
0: Yeah, man, we look forward to it, Wes Johnson. You know, he's a proven talent, and I think uh, I agree with you. I think it's a good hire, hire for the uh, University of Georgia. Well, you know, what are we, 60-something days away from the start of the college football season, believe it or not? And so let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, college football. I, I noticed that uh, Coach Jim Harbaugh uh, from uh, Michigan, the Michigan Wolverines, they, they have incorporated into their practices what they call the Beat Georgia segment of their practices, you know, and they yes. have the, the Beat Ohio State segment. They, you know, that's been a staple for years uh, when the, the Michigan team gets together. And I don't know what all that consists of. You know, maybe they look at schemes that Ohio State has, uh, you know, had in the past, and they kind of practice against that or prepare for Ohio State. Of course, that's their big rival. But now they have incorporated in their practices a beat Georgia segment, which mm-hmm. I guess they kind of concentrate on the University of Georgia. I'm kind of wondering now that you're covering LSU, Georgia back-to-back national champions, uh, setting the standard, yeah, for the past couple of years for uh, college football, I wonder how, you know, LSU and teams like that, do they look at Georgia in that way and say, okay, you know, as we get together, let's think about a potential maybe somewhere down the line matchup with Georgia and how would we beat them? Is that that something that you find maybe at LSU? And what do you think? Is that a common thing around the conference as they look at Georgia?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And I think, Chris, you have to start off, you have to have a balance. Uh, Look, you don't want to obsess over uh, what University of Georgia has done if you're LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee—any of these teams—but you do have to respect the fact that if you're in the SEC East, you're going to have to go through Athens yeah. at least, or have them come to your place and beat them. If you're in the SEC West, albeit you could probably still get two teams in the playoff. And as the playoff expands more, uh, if you want that at least that automatic bid, you're going to have to have uh, a date with Georgia somewhere on the schedule. It feels like right now, and for the foreseeable future. So, specifically with LSU, you know one of the biggest things when Brian Kelly came in last. Season was the ability to worry about yourself and improve yourself before start worrying about others. And look, that worked last year for them. They knocked off Alabama, knocked off a Florida team down there, really turned around their season in Gainesville, uh, and then knocked off Ole Miss as well, that allowed them to get to Atlanta. So, you know, where does it stand now? Look, obviously, you're going to say, for the past what 10, 12, 15 years, it feels like everyone say, what can we do to beat Bama? Look, there's going to be things you adopt. Uh, And now it's kind of changed to Georgia. Uh, The biggest thing adopting wise, and it's one thing that uh, offensive coordinator for LSU, Mike Denbrock has been very open about is, you know, the evolution of the tight end position specifically at LSU, Uh, you know, We all see what Georgia has in that room. Even with Darnell Washington leaving uh, and a couple other guys, they still have Brock Bowers. They still got a litany of talent. Oscar Delt behind them and more to come. LSU kind of started that last year. They got Mason Taylor, if you remember the kid that caught the pass, uh, to tie the game and then win the game in overtime. They started to add some more weapons there to become more diverse. And, you know, I think that it's something where you're going to see teams shift with the changes of the game. But maybe obsessing over a specific, let's say, logo on the side of the helmet is not the way to go. But right. I I guarantee you this: if LSU wants to get to the national title game with a schedule that's over there in Athens, you got to feel pretty solid that you're going to have to face yeah. uh, Georgia and Atlanta, and maybe at least one time, maybe two times, to kind of throw up that national championship trophy this season.
0: Yeah, you know, and speaking of the 2023 season for LSU, well, let's just start off with the game, right? Yeah. Sunday, September the uh, third, with Florida State. You know, Florida State. Uh, a lot of people have high anticipation for Florida State, and uh, maybe a team that's uh, back, perhaps to where Florida State has been in the past. Uh, man, uh, you know, compared to what Georgia is going to open with, with UT Martin, you know, <laughs> you have uh, LSU and Florida State. That game maybe will set set the uh, the standard for the season for mm-hmm. both of these teams. Uh, what, what is LSU saying about Florida State?
1: Well, the biggest thing is they're still remembering what happened in New Orleans last season. Uh, yeah. Obviously, uh, a heart-fought, but a tough loss for the Tigers uh, down there in their own backyard. Now they get to head to kind of, I guess we'll call it Tallahassee's backyard. Uh, I guess you could say Orlando is that, not quite. But, you know, the big thing is LSU's got to go into this game knowing this one thing. And we're going to talk about this on our podcast and in continuing to go. And I'll say it here. While this game definitely sets the tone, it doesn't make or break. You still play in the SEC. There's still a path. I would say, arguably, this is a bigger game in the sense of make or break a season for Florida State. Uh, Just with the quality of competition they're going to be facing, obviously, they're going to have Clemson on the schedule. Uh, But outside of that, I mean, this is a resume-defining win, and many people think it's going to be Maybe a top-five matchup. Uh, most definitely, he feels like a top-ten matchup. Look, there's a lot of steam heading into this game. And, and I think if you're LSU, you feel good about where you are. And, look, there's obviously some still some guys on that roster. Uh, Jaden Daniels, the biggest name, yeah. that uh, feels like he wasn't at full strength. It was his first game in the purple and gold. And so now, a year under his belt, newer to the system now, uh, I'm going to be excited to watch what those guys send and how they try to handle business down there, Orlando. Chris, I don't know about you, man. I mean, that's that's going to be – even if I wasn't covering the game. That's going to be a must-watch game uh, for me that opening weekend.
0: Absolutely, and uh, that's going to be a marquee matchup for sure. Uh, You know, coming into the season for the University of Georgia, you know, Georgia's loaded. LSU's loaded. Mm -hmm. uh, Georgia's loaded. LSU's loaded. I, I think for Georgia, the thing that maybe separates Georgia from LSU, maybe, I don't know, maybe sort of in a negative way, is the quarterback position. You know, Georgia now uh, has, uh, you know, uncertainty at uh, that quarterback, at quarterback. It seems like Carson Beck is the man and he's going to be starting and, uh, you know, he's going to have the first opportunity to to be the starting quarterback at the University of Georgia. But there's a lot of uncertainty with the quarterback at the position at Georgia simply because of the lack of, uh, you know, reps and. Mm-hmm. in big games and that kind of thing that uh, the Georgia quarterback uh, room ha- has. On the other side, Jaden Daniels, uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, the LSU uh, quarterback uh, room looks pretty good and uh, you know, pretty good uh, talent there. Right? What, what do you think in comparison to those two with Carson Beck, uh, Brock Vandergriff, Gunnar Stockton in the Georgia room, then you have Daniels and Nussmeier, and uh, at LSU, what, what, how do you compare those two quarterback rooms?
1: Yeah, I'll be careful in how I say this because I know the Georgia fans' response will be interesting. Yeah. Um, for me in, in this, what based off what we know here at the end of June and in, in early July, I, I think that LSU's quarterback room is the most talented in, in the SEC. I, yeah. I think that you have two guys capable of starting. Now, that's not to say the potential of what could happen in Athens – uh, look, I'm a Carson Beck fan. I, I like what he brings to the table, intangible size, height. He pops off the charts with all of those. But I think what you have down in Baton Rouge, if, you know, God forbid something were to happen to Jane Daniels, Georgia fans saw it, LSU fans saw it in Atlanta back last December. Nussmeyer's a guy that can go and sling the ball around and and he can make some plays. So you feel good about your depth there at quarterback. And speaking with Georgia, I mean, look, Uh, I was watching a podcast and Aaron Murray was recently on. He talked about, look, he's probably the most talented kid in that room. And he probably has been even with Stetson Bennett uh, in that room. And so I I like what Beck brings to the table, but it's just one of those things where you haven't seen him necessarily take really meaningful snaps uh, in high pressure situations. And look, I mean, Georgia may not have a lot of high-pressure situations this year, but going on the road to Auburn, still not a tough place to go and win a football game. The Florida game, Tennessee, Ole Miss. I mean, look, there's a lot of games where he's going to have to, I think, at some point, uh, and, we, and that seems to be the reoccurring theme. Is the quarterback going to have to shoulder the weight? Well, I believe that Stetson Bennett did. Will Carson Beck have a moment like that this year? And that'll be something kind of interesting to watch. You know,
0: for me, that uh, speaking of Stetson Bennett, for me, it was just the intangibles with Stetson. Mm. He had such leadership uh, qualities, and man, he played with a chip on his shoulder. Now, you oh, know, no he, doubt. he was kicked to the curb so many times, and here he comes in with this swagger and uh, two-time national champion. Who can argue with that? You, know, you either loved him or you hated him, and uh, we love Stetson Bennett, of course, here in uh, Georgia football territory. Uh, And kind of excited to see what happens with the Rams. You know, Uh, but, uh, you know, it's with Carson. Carson's a very talented guy. He's got arm strength uh, galore. You just kind of wonder, you know, when you get in those situations, like you talk about, you're taking on Auburn, you're taking on Tennessee, you're taking on Florida. You get into that pressure cooker where you're the man in the game. And the quarterback position is so very important, of course. You, you, you kind of hope that he's able to do, uh, you know, to some extent, provide the leadership and the ability that Carson, uh, that uh, Stenson Bennett did. So it's going to be interesting on the Georgia side with the quarterback room. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, schedule for Georgia. You know, Georgia's rated from maybe the easiest schedule in the SEC. Now, to their credit, Georgia did have Oklahoma scheduled for yeah. uh, this season, but the SEC said, no, you can't do that with that you know, Texas and uh, Oklahoma coming into the conference. So they, you know, required Georgia to drop that game and required Oklahoma to drop that game. But here's, here's the, the, you know, the starting, uh, the games for the University of Georgia, the games they will begin with. UT Martin, you expect, obviously, Georgia to win that game. Ball State, that was the Oklahoma game. Uh, mm-hmm. Ball State. And then you have South Carolina, uh, you know, and uh, Georgia will be taking on South Carolina then you have UAB, then Auburn, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss. The Tennessee game's the one I've got circled, you know, going to Nashville. And then you close out with, uh, with Georgia Tech. Now, you look at that schedule. You, you think, okay, Georgia's gone undefeated two consecutive years in the SEC uh, during the regular season, undefeated season last year. You kind of look at that and say, if everything falls into place with the talent that Georgia has, I don't know. You may be looking at another undefeated season, which would be, you know, stratospheric Mm -hmm. as far as the history of college football. Georgia has that potential. As you look at that schedule, you know, Tennessee, maybe um, Ole Miss, uh, who do you think is going to be the biggest challenge to Georgia?
1: Well, I think going to Knoxville is going to create the environment that a lot like we saw when Alabama traveled up there. Now, do I think that this year's team of Tennessee is as talented as what Tennessee had last year? Uh, Not necessarily. I do believe that when you look at what Georgia has coming in talent-wise, we talked about it. They're absolutely loaded once again, seemingly every single position. But what Georgia has coming in on their side is they've got some veterans that can help calm the nerves up there, uh, in, obviously, in Knoxville. So the Tennessee game, I want to see what Joe Milton looks like before they go into that. That could obviously be one. Uh, Look, anytime you play Lane Kiffin, you know there's going to be a potential for an offensive explosion. So what does Ole Miss look like by that time of the year? And listen, I want to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Hugh Freeze has recruited very well uh, at Auburn, and and they've done a good job in the transfer portal. The equivalent of bringing in an entire new offense uh, was what Hugh Freeze has done. So really nobody knows what Auburn's going to look like. And I mentioned, I grew up in Columbus, Georgia. I've been to countless Auburn games. Whether you're a Georgia fan or not, it's a great environment for a home Auburn Tiger fan. And I remember, still remember going there uh, in the 2017 season when they blew the doors off Georgia, yeah. and I was wearing red and black, and yes, I got heckled the whole <laughs> way back to my car. But I'll tell you this, it's one of those things where it's really easy to pick on the schedule of Georgia. And like you mentioned, it's not necessarily their fault. They were supposed to have the game with Oklahoma, but fans are going to key in on that. But I'm always in, in interested to see how that dynamic changes when we get to maybe, let's say, middle to late September, yeah. because there's been several years where that conversation has been had, and maybe it's a trip to Lexington to an undefeated Kentucky team that's within the top fits inside the top fifteen, or maybe you know a trip to Missouri that was a lot tougher for Georgia last year than a lot of people anticipated. It's easy to look at the preview magazine and say this is really, uh, you know, a cakewalk for them. And I do believe that Georgia has a great odds to go uh, undefeated. But what I do also believe is that maybe the opinions of some of these games will change by the time we get maybe two or three weeks out uh, from that matchup.
0: Yeah, man. It's just you know, it's college football. So who knows? Who knows? You know, who would have thought that TCU would have made the national championship game last year? And that's what makes uh, college football uh, so much fun. And it's the SEC for heaven's sakes. And mm-hmm. you know, when you go on the road against the any team of the SEC, man, it's a dogfight, and it's the grind of the season. Now, looking at LSU's uh, schedule, you have that that big matchup with Florida State, Grambling. Mississippi State, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Missouri, Auburn, Army, Alabama, Florida State, Georgia State, and then uh, Texas A&M. Listen, that's no cakewalk itself. Uh, that That's a pretty tough schedule uh, that uh, LSU is going to be facing. Uh, you know, obviously, Alabama is going to be the big challenge in the SEC West. Uh, what, are, what, what other teams in the SEC West are going to be maybe a challenge uh, for um, LSU?
1: Yeah, look, I've got the schedule up here right next to me, and one date that my family has circled, I've got a couple cousins that go to school here, we just mentioned them earlier, is that game against Auburn. Look, they're a big wild card in the SEC this year for me. If if Hugh Freeze can find any early momentum in the season for them, look, you know that that fan base travels well. uh, The home games are going to be raucous. But them coming down to Baton Rouge is, you know, and we can talk about this, and I'm sure you already have, The SEC schedule reveal, I was kind of hurt that I don't get to see Auburn and LSU be maintained because growing up in Columbus, 30 minutes from Auburn, and watching those games as an innocent bystander, it's one of the better conference games of the year every single year. Uh, They're low scoring. They seem to be ugly, but it seems to be that kind of throwback style to old school SEC football that we saw in maybe the early 2010s and the late 2000s. I think that when you see that matchup of them coming into town, you sandwich that in between a game that, look, is going to be physically demanding and playing Army. Uh, And Mm -hmm. then a bye week, look, the one that everyone's excited for is the road trip to Tuscaloosa. Can LSU do what they did last year? without the home crowd. And that's been kind of the debate back and forth on social media between Alabama and LSU fans say, hey, come beat us at our place. Wow. And look, LSU fans uh, you know, would love to chance to do that, would love to try to do that. The last time they did that was when they had that historical run back in 2019. So I- I'm excited to see what this schedule looks like. Uh, and then one more game that is going to be circled on the calendar is obviously the matchup against Texas A&M. Uh, I know a lot of people may not remember this, but if LSU would have beaten AM last year and not lost that uh, Thanksgiving weekend and then somehow beaten Georgia, they probably had one of the best cases to be a two-loss SEC champion inside the playoff with who they had beat in their schedule, and it would have been a real argument to have. Uh, that kind of ruined that opportunity for them going on the road to College Station. So AM coming down uh, to LSU in Baton Rouge, you know it's probably going to be a night game. I haven't been to one yet, Chris. I'll let you know when I do. But they say there's there's nothing like a night game in Death Valley, the true Death Valley down here in Baton Rouge. But, look, it's a loaded schedule. Uh, you know, I, like I said, Auburn is a team for me that's going to be a wild card in the SEC West this year. Uh, you know, outside of that, we talked about Ole Miss – what does Mississippi State look like? You know, they've got a veteran quarterback in Will Rogers, but what are they going to look like kind of with the tragedy that, you know, plagued them this past offseason? So it's going to be a fun year for the SEC, Chris. And, you know, for a lot of us folks, I think you are included in this with me. It's going to be a year of last in the SEC yeah. where we see it change forever uh, next season.
0: Yeah, next season, uh, you know, in 2024, no divisions. Uh, the top two team in the conf- uh, two teams in the conference go to the uh, conference championship, and then you have Texas-Oklahoma coming into uh, the the conference in that round-robin-eight uh, game uh, schedule that uh, the SEC has set up. Uh, and then also, of course, you have the expanded uh, playoffs, you know, the national playoffs. Mm-hmm. College football is a changing. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. one of the effects, I think, of the pandemic, a lot of this started with the pandemic, uh, with the transfer portal, And uh, then the NIL came along, and then you got all of this going on. College football is changing with the realignment of conferences and teams going into different conferences. Uh, You know, it's just, hey, hang on. Uh, Who knows what will happen in the next few years, for sure. In recruiting, uh, you guys at 247 Sports currently have, uh, in the 2024 rankings, Georgia at number one with the number one recruiting class. Then you have the usual suspects of Ohio State, Michigan, Florida, Notre Dame. Penn State, USC, Oregon, then at LSU at number nine. So, uh, you know, Georgia is is stacking up again, again uh, for 2024. What about LSU? How do you like that recruiting class uh, that's uh, coming in for 2024?
1: Yeah, there's been a big emphasis that was kind of lost towards the end of the Orgeron era and obviously in the beginning of Brian Kelly's. If you, if you go there and you panel between the 2023 and 2024 class, the biggest shakeup you're going to see is the amount of kids inside the state of Louisiana that are going to be committing and coming to LSU. That's a huge, huge deal. Look, uh, there's a reason the state of Louisiana has the most high school talent and the best high school talent per capita. Not my fact, that's 24-7 sports fact. Per capita is the key word there because yeah. I know there's a lot of talented states and I am sitting the camp of where Georgia is probably the best in terms of overall talent. But there's a lot of talent down here. And it doesn't take – you don't have to go a stone's throw away to find one or two high schools with three, four, five-star prospects. Yeah. And LSU really tapped into that and the idea of come play for your home, home state school and make an impact to win a title. And so while the class maybe doesn't have that big mm, star power – uh, look, this staff's not done. Uh, there's a couple of names they're still going after. One of the biggest ones is a guy actually out of Duncanville, Texas, Colin Simmons, a five-star edge that they're really looking at. They're really aggressively pursuing, as is your Texas a and as is other programs as well, trying to uh, secure the services of that young man. And he kind of feels like a domino effect. If he commits, uh, he's a guy that's going to bring in a couple of the four stars and some high-level players. But as for this class, I mean, like I said, they're tapping into, you know, schools within a stone's throw away from Tiger Stadium to bring in that next breed of Tigers and try to win a national title. It's all about development. That's what Brian Kelly's placing uh, emphasis on. And the early returns on it are are pretty well. And, you know, the way he's respected already around the state, which took a lot sooner than I think a a lot of people thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One
0: of the things missing on LSU's schedule is I would love to see for this year, uh, and I guess in, according to what happened last year was LSU and Tulane, you know, with Tulane oh, and that big win over USC in the, in the ball game, uh, Matt, I would love to see that. Can not we work that out somehow, some way?
1: <laughs> I talked with some folks uh, at a camp last week, just some LSU staffers who obviously Tulane was one of the schools there. They opened it up to all the schools, uh, division one, division two schools in the state of Louisiana to come, you know, scout kids. And there were some Tulane staffers there. And, I talked with a couple people, they said, look, Tulane would love to play us. But LSU is one of those things where, you okay. know, the way Tulane's playing right now and the way that program trajectory is continuing to go up, it's really a lose-lose situation. If you win the game, people are like, well, you're supposed to beat them. If you lose to them, it's like, how did you lose to Tulane? So, and, you know, that's an old rivalry, though, the, the battle of the yeah. Tiger Rag down here. Uh, it's going to be a fun, uh, fun season for both programs, you know, as Tulane is definitely under Willie Fritz trending in the right direction.
0: You know, I was I was reading, and uh, we'll close with this. I was reading an article by Gavin Patrick. He's a well-respected uh, writer in, uh, in, uh, for college football. And he says this, kind of interesting. He says, Georgia, neither Georgia nor Alabama will make the college playoffs this year. He says, mm. uh, you know, uh, with the uncertainty, a quarterback for both programs and uh, with the schedule, somewhere down the line, Georgia's going to blow it and Alabama's going to blow it. Uh, with only four teams making it. And then he said, you know, if Georgia and Alabama does not make, and uh, that's his projection, Georgia's opening at number one in the country in almost every poll. But he says somewhere down the line, Georgia's not going to make it. So who will make it if Georgia and Alabama do not make the college playoffs? And his uh, his pick is LSU and uh, maybe Texas A&M coming Hmm. out of the West. Kind of an interesting perspective, isn't it?
1: Yeah, interesting, sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that if you said Alabama and Georgia are not in who is, uh, LSU may be the obvious third option just with what they did last year, the talent they returned. Uh, but, you know, with A&M, you know, a lot of us sat here a year ago, myself included, and said there's no way this team loses or, or wins less than seven or eight games. I mean, yeah. just the talent they have. And, look, a lot of that talent left this past year uh, through the portal. But sometimes when you lose – Blues players, it's not always the worst scenario. Look, there were a lot of behind-closed-doors issues with AM, a lot of locker room issues that they had to deal with some uh, in-season suspensions. But I think the biggest thing for a in this sense is you got Bobby Petrino. What does that mean for you? Was that what you needed to get this offense over the hump? We'll see. Uh, but, look, the potential's there. I mean, you, you go to 24-7 Sports' uh, talent composite rating. a is up there. The Aggies have a lot of talent. But can it gel? Can it make a move? And while folks might be surprised if they were to make the playoff, I certainly would be. When you really got behind the scenes and you looked at the amount of talent they have on that roster, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to say, hey, this is a team, if they put it together, can go really far.
0: And you got to think, if Jimbo Fisher, if, if A&M does not have the season that you know they an- anticipate, isn't he the one coach or one of the coaches that's really on a hot seat, even with that big buyout, you know, multiple millions of dollars. I think uh, I think he better produce this year at Texas
1: A&M, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's down to like, what, 78, 80-something million yeah. this year. It's something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, I think this is a make or break year, and that's why you saw him bring in Petrino to try to take the role of that offense and develop them more. Find yourself a quarterback that really has evaded this program, I mean, you could argue realistically, since the consistent days of Johnny Manziel. I mean, I don't know that they've had a guy there that they really, truly felt was the consistent and complete starter they needed at all times. But, look, the SEC season, like you said, is so near. We're about three weeks away from SEC media days. We'll be up in Nashville. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Chris, I I know Georgia fans are raring to go to defend, what, That third potential, third straight national title? Who would
0: have thunk it, man? I I mean, you know, with 40 years in between, then you have two in a row. I just, you know, we're still pinching ourselves up here. And and then you look at, you know, your roster and you look at what's coming up and you say, could it possibly be three in a row? Now that's La La Land for sure. And, uh, but we'll have to, we'll have to see if it happens. And hey, if it happened once, if it happened twice, who says it can't happen a third time? There you go. And, uh, well, Bryce, it's been uh, great to catch up with you. Uh, Good luck down in the heat in the gumbo country of uh, LSU and uh, take care of yourself. And it's always good to catch up with you. Thank you for being with us on our program today.
1: I appreciate it, Chris, as always. Thanks so much for having me on. And, uh, man, just ready for football season. I'm sure we'll talk again soon.
0: Yes, we will.